What up, what up, what up? Happy day, Life Church Livonia folks. And welcome to those of you who are new and just checking out our podcast. This is our Tell Me More podcast. <laughs> where <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's our tagline. <laughs> um, this is where we dive in deeper into the message that maybe the pastor didn't have an opportunity or didn't have enough space on Sunday to dive into the message. Uh, so we get to unpack things more deeply, but we also get to have conversations surrounding the topic from yeah. Sunday, because what we realize in our walk with Jesus is that it's not the sermons on Sunday that really grow us. It's really in conversations. It's doing life with people. It's really unpacking uh, topics that we really dive in and learn more about who God is and who God has called us to be as well. So I'm here today with Alex Ray Hill, our senior pastor. Wow. What a yeah, day. Is that what a so title. Fun? Yeah, it's big, you know, it matters. A, I want people big. to know. I want I know. people to know. No one's ever called me senior before, but we, I'm 30 now, so you're, it's coming. You're not senior. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that. I'm just going to the lead. He's the lead go. guy, there everybody. <laughs> so we're here today. We're talking about reconciling relationships. Yeah. This past Sunday, you talked about Jesus and his relationship with Peter. And yeah. so I would love for you to tell me more about the conversation between Jesus and Peter and what their reconciliation conversation really entailed. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So I mentioned this on Sunday. If you missed the sermon, you can check it out here on YouTube and here on this podcast. So I'd highly recommend you check that out, but um, the uh, there, there's this portion where Jesus and Peter are finally reconciling, and I mentioned in the sermon. I'm going to share um, the screen with you guys here if you're watching us on YouTube, so that you can see um, this conversation in John 21. There we go. So it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? And what I had talked about on Sunday was. Um, in Greek, there's four words for love. In English, we have one word for love. So we love our kids. We love our hamburgers. I freaking love that show, right? <laughs> there's one word that we put this like everything into. Um, we use love in a romantic sense. We use it in a familial sense. We use it, uh, we talk about loving Jesus. We talk about loving people. We talk... We, all these things that actually are different levels um, of love kind of get all thrown into the same word. And right. in Greek, uh, that's not the case. They actually have four different words for love that kind of delineate what we're talking about here. So the first one is storge. That's the first Greek word for love. And uh, if you're listening right now, just practice that in your car. Storge. 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 <laughs> I'm not in my car, but I'll practice. Yeah, you're doing great, you. Kate. Yeah, keep Thank it up. You. Just doing my best. <laughs> you're doing great. Um, and storge is a familial relationship. It's the kind of love that a parent has for their child or a child has for their parent or siblings have for each other. It's this tight bond um, between relatives. So that's storge. Uh, the next one is eros, and eros is where we get our word erotic from. Eros is romantic, sexual, physical love. Um, and, you know, so instead of saying, we say things like make love, and that would be what eros is referring to, right? That we, we have come up with our own amendments to the word love to denote a sexual kind of love. 
And they just had their own word for it, which was eros. The third one is phileo. And phileo um, is a love of friendship. And it generally denotes like a deep friendship. Um, Often, especially in in this culture, um, part of the, the Greek mindset was that your sexual desires were kind of like eating or drinking or sleeping. They just were something you needed to discharge in some way. And so there were lots of opportunity for that, that were not biblical, biblically godly, Mm -hmm. um, or even necessarily emotionally intimate. They were just part of the culture. Uh, And so phileo love was actually really kind of seen as a higher level of love um, because it was, an emotionally intimate relationship you chose to be in. You didn't have to be in it like your mm-hmm. family of origin. So that's phileo. And then the last one is agape. And agape love is um, really the love God has for us. It's this self-giving, self-sacrificial. It's I'm going to lay down my life for the people I care about. It's um, the word C.S. Lewis says that English most is, is most similar to agape is charity. It's like giving of myself that's gracious and undeserved. And so here when Jesus says uh, a couple things, first of all, Jesus renames Simon Peter, Cephas is the Hebrew um, word for that. Jesus gives Peter a new name when he starts following Jesus. And um, now that Peter's broken relationship, you'll notice Jesus isn't calling him Peter anymore. He's calling him his old name. It's such a good observation. I don't, I had never noticed that before, but when you spoke on that, I was like, oh, wow, that, that's pretty significant. It is super significant. Especially in scripture, right? Like names are such a big deal. So to notice that that's matters. Yeah. And names are still a big deal. It's why, Mm -hmm. you know, when people uh, are wrestling with their identity, often they'll change their name, right? You know, and there's lots of folks I've met that either because, of some major milestone in their life or some big physical shift or they'll change their name because the name is what you call me, right? It's who, how you refer to who I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, Jesus says, Simon, ouch, old name, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me more than these? Now I always wonder what the more than these are. I don't really know. I've always wondered is he talking about the disciples? Like, do you agape mm-hmm. me more than the other disciples? Is he talking about these other things in your life? Because remember, they're having this conversation in the context of they're on a beach. They just ate mm-hmm. f- fish. Peter's a fisherman. He went mm-hmm. back to fishing <clears throat> after um, his falling out with Jesus. He goes back to his old life. Is Jesus taught? Is the these Jesus is referring to the? the old way of living? Is it the, is it the nets? Is it the boats? You know, what is it? I don't know. But anyway, that's what he says. And um, he says, do you agape me more than these? Are you willing to give yourself charitably sacrificially, Peter? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you, (laughs) (laughs) which I, like I said on Sunday, Jesus is asking for this agape love and Peter's offering this depth of friendship, but not this like sacrificial self-giving. And uh, not at the level Jesus is asking for. And I don't know, it doesn't seem to me that because Peter says phileo three times, it doesn't seem to me that that's clicking for Peter that 
we're not talking about the same thing here. Um, <clears throat> there's lots of people with great commentaries on this passage. It's a deep passage, uh, and a lot of people have thoughts about it. And so, you know, I may be wrong about this, but this yeah. is this is what I was noticing in the context of a reconciliation conversation. Sure. And then Jesus helps Peter connect that value of love to a tangible, actionable thing. And he says, feed my lambs. <clears throat> and now remember, Jesus is having this conversation on a beach in front of Peter's boat. Peter just caught fish with. Peter's mm-hmm. a fisherman, right? Jesus yeah. refers to himself as a shepherd. And so Jesus, even in the tangible action he's calling Peter to, is really tangibly calling him out of this way of life Peter has gone back to, hmm. right? Because he could have said, um, fish for men and women. If you love me, be a fisher of men, which Jesus had right. said before. Right, yeah, definitely, he has. Jesus doesn't say that. He asked Peter to adjust from his uh, profession to Jesus's profession. Mm. <laughs> and and that word for feed the, the literal translation is pasture. Pass, take my lambs out to pasture. Provide mm. for them. Give them what they need. And um, then again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Really, it's agapao. It's just a form of agape. It doesn't really matter. And again, uh, he answers, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then Jesus says, okay, take care of my sheep. This is like, this isn't um, the same word he used the first time. This isn't pastor. This is like tend for, uh, care for, uh, cultivate, right? It's a, um, it, it, you know, in shepherding terms, sheep have multiple needs. They need to be fed fresh grass and water out at pasture, but they also um, need to be cut. Uh, they're, they're, uh, well, We'll need, thank you. I was like, fur. I mean, that's why I'm here. I'm here. That's why you're here. It's like uh, charades. (laughs) I get to be like, ooh, I know that one. I I know know what he's doing. I know the wool word. (laughs) I know the wool. Um, I know wool. (laughs) So their wool will will just grow out of control Mm -hmm. um, and often get them caught in situations that get them killed. Yep. And so um, the shepherd has to continually shear the sheep's wool so the sheep's own gift doesn't become its weakness and ultimately its demise, yeah. uh, which is very profound. But um, then the third time... <laughs> we won't third, sidebar on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the third time, he says, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? And mm. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. And I wonder if he's hurt because he changes the word. Or I wonder if he's hurt if it's because it just he's asking again. But Peter doesn't mm-hmm. realize in this moment, Peter denied Jesus three times. And the reason Jesus is asking three times again, and he's he's given Peter opportunity for full reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You told everyone three times, you don't know me. You're not associated with me. You're not one of my disciples. And so I'm giving you three opportunities to reaffirm your values here. Yeah. Very cool. Um <clears throat> And then, so he says, third time, Peter's hurt. Uh, Do you love me? He said, said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. That pastor word again. I didn't talk about this part on Sunday, but I think this is so profound right here. 
uh, for all relationships. It's a, this is, this is a picture of emotional maturity right here. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. Now, what's amazing about that is, um, like all of us, when we are young and establishing our own dependence, all of our decisions, the way we look, the way we talk, the things we do, all revolve around us. Mm -hmm. And as we grow deeper in relationship, if we are unwilling to be dressed by someone else and taken to places we would rather not go, the relationship doesn't survive. And um, what Jesus is describing here is how Peter dies and glorifies God, but it's also a metaphor for emotional, relational maturity. Hmm. As I grow in Christ and grow as an emotionally mature person, um, I have to be willing to stretch out my hands, be dressed in someone else's choice of clothing for me (laughs) and led to places I would rather not go. And I wouldn't go on my own. Well, and that makes me think about um, this week. And it really, at the beginning of your sermon, you kind of made a joke about Valentine's Day and talked (laughs) about how 50% of people had a great day and the other 50% probably not. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think that in this, some of what I'd love for you to tell me more about is expectations and relationships. You know, we talk about expectations and clarity is kind. And so I'd love for you to tell me more about expectations and relationship and how that matters in reconciliation. Yeah. Expectations uh, are something we all have, but we don't all know we have. And often we don't know we have them until someone doesn't meet them. (laughs) (laughs) And the, the, the marriage joke that I love to tell to all I tell it multiple times to the same couples and they think it's funny when we're doing like pre-marriage counseling. And then they think it's really funny in like year two. <laughs> but the, the, the joke is um, when you get married, you know, to become one, you just don't talk about which one till after the ceremony. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Not funny, but funny. Uh, and it's about expectations, right? Yeah. And, yeah. um, One of the hard things about all relationships, be it romantic or a friendship or a parental relationship, Mm -hmm. is um, when we are single and when we are singular, meaning kind of the center of our own world, um, we fight in a way so that we win. That's human nature. But in a relationship, you're on a team. And if you, as a, if you, as a teammate fight in a way where only one team member wins, the team Mm -hmm. will always lose the fight. Yeah. I might argue that as a single person, I'm not married. I've never been married, but even in my relationships, I think, and in the church too, right. When I fight people who I'm in church with, if I'm if I'm not trying to bring uh, glory to God, or mm-hmm. if I'm just trying to like beat someone and make them think like I do, yeah. it destroys the church or it destroys my relationship. And mm-hmm. people leave churches left and right because their expectations aren't met or they don't mm-hmm. get their way. And 
So I think the, the, one of the things that you shared in the sermon was about how, you know, your infamous saying that I just love so much about the dynamite and the, yes. um, <clears throat> the, fire, the, the fire. fire and the dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. The, the gunpowder. Yeah, I think that we always have a percentage of the problem, like we're always a part of the problem, and whether it's 5%, 1%, 90%, but always being willing to look at that and say, like, what are some of my unspoken expectations? What are Mm -hmm. some of the unagreed upon expectations? Yes. So, so with expectations, you have two options. You can continue to expect that everybody should uh, be able to mind read your expectations without you having to ask and that everybody should adjust to them, which will just leave a string of broken relationships forever. Yep. Or you can recognize that not only do I have expectations, I've never actually asked anyone to do, um, but uh, they haven't agreed to those things and I'm not always right. My expectations aren't always good. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they're just unfair. You know, sometimes they're uh, born out of a place of insecurity that has to do with things my parents did or didn't do growing up, not actually with this situation at all. And so um, my wife, Amber, and I, and, and my in my band, the Tambor Cedar, you know, we just played a show this last weekend, and we had uh, my good friend, Sam Parham, kind of before we started practice one day, said, okay, we just need to get clear on expectations here. Because we have to talk about what does it mean for us to do a successful show here? And in my mind, Sam was talking, said, in my mind, it means we do whatever we can to serve the show. We show up on time and do everything that's asked of us. And we do the best we can do in playing the songs. If we do those things, we had a good show, regardless Mm -hmm. of what else happens. And so, you know, we had some space where people got to add in their bits. And then we all said, yeah, okay, we're going to agree to that. That's a good, that's how we're going to evaluate. That's that's so helpful. And most of the time, I don't think that I know that I haven't always offered a space to talk about expectations Mm -hmm. either. It's just not like a normal thing that people walk into a situation and say, Hey, my expectation is that this meeting start on time, that this meeting (laughs) end on time, that we have one bathroom break in the middle of it. Can everybody (laughs) agree? At least, at least. Uh, Is that something everybody can agree to? You know, it's just like not normal for people to show up and, so, and I feel like in the scripture, uh, in the scriptures about Jesus and Peter's relationship, uh, Jesus had some pretty clear expectations for his mm-hmm. disciples. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and here's the thing. And one of the, so there's two sides of this coin. One side is I never clarify, vocalize, I'm able to even describe my expectations. And I just yep. expect other people to kind of intuit them and adjust. Yeah, That's not going to help you in any relationship. Probably not the other that. side is there's an unconscious expectation that we should all be aware of our expectations before a conflict happens and have a conversation about them all the time. And not that's also either. not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah. the, the reality is, and this is what Amber and I think have worked probably the most on is the uh, middle ground is we have to figure out a way to fight so that the team wins, not just one person on the team wins. And so what are the rules of engagement so that um, we know what out of bounds is in times of peace? So when someone steps out of bounds, when it's heated, um, you know, we go, okay, you're right. That was, I'm sorry. That was out of bounds. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And so, 
Um, one for Amber and I that's been really, really helpful is um, the only valid expectations in our marriage are agreed upon expectations where a person has vocalized them. There, are, It's a realistic thing the other person can actually do. Mm-hmm. The other person has agreed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, so if I... Uh, if I'm not even aware of my expectation and then you don't meet it, and okay, what the crap? Well, yeah. now that's out of bounds, right? Yeah. If yeah. I say, if I'm aware of it, but I just say, um, hey, Kate, I need you to do this for me. But I actually haven't given you the time to do it. Is mm-hmm. you know, I've asked you to do so many other things that you actually can't do that. Right. Well, now that's, that's out of bounds too. That's not fair. <clears throat> or if right. I just say, hey, Kate, here's this thing. Can you do that? You say, yes. I say, great. I want it done by this time, but you don't actually say, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I've just made a demand of you. And, you know, employee-employer relationships, some of that's part of the relationship in a way where it's not in friendships or in parental right. child, children relationships. Some of that's uh, present same. and okay. But yeah. um, but in general, you want to um, have a, agreed, uh, ex- agreed upon expectations where I go, here's what I want or need. Mm-hmm. Um, the other person says, I think that's realistic. We that's possible. Mm-hmm. And then um, you say, Hey, well then can you do that for me? And they say, yes. And so yeah. in, in our marriage, Amber and I have decided um, <clears throat> the only valid expectations are agreed upon expectations. And if um, something doesn't go according to plan, which happens all the time mm-hmm. and you don't <laughs> meet, you don't meet expectations. I didn't know I had, maybe they were either, I vocalized them, but you never agreed to them. Mm-hmm. Or um, I didn't know that I had them until it was happening right now. You can be frustrated. You just can't be frustrated at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, know? totally. Which is fair. You're allowed yeah. to have feelings, whatever 100%. feelings you want. 100%. But you can't be having those feelings at me. Like yes. I'm not responsible for making those feelings better. Yes. Um, and then we've also tried to develop, you know, that's just one rule that we have. Right. But we've yeah. developed some other ones that go... Hey, this is how we're going to navigate these things so that the team continues to win and not just one of us on the team feels like yeah. we're winning. Because so. that's where relationships, friendships, work relationships, marriages, that's where they deteriorate mm-hmm. is when there's like all these unspoken and unmet expectations and uh, there's no cl- clarity surrounding it. And then people don't fight fair. And, right. you know, relationships are really difficult. So tell me more about how. Uh, what what God says, what Jesus says about reconciliation versus forgiveness. Tell me yeah, more about those. Let two. me touch on one more thing. Part of where we get this biblically from, this idea of like the importance of expectations, part of where we get this biblically is that we have to recognize, like 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, every single person has a whole life that they have to own to only Jesus. They do not, no one will ever have to own their life to me. Only Jesus. And Mm. I will never have to own my life to them. Only Jesus. And when I own my life to Jesus, I will do it alone. Mm -hmm. Amber will not be there. My children will not be there. It will be just me and just Jesus. And so when I, um, in the conversation about expectations, I recognize you have an entire life, purpose, meaning, plan is a part of God's plan that is entirely separate from me. And I am not the one you are ultimately accountable to. And I give you a level of humanness, recognizing 
that I'm not your God. You have mm-hmm. a God mm-hmm. that you will have to own your life to, and that right. God isn't me. Yeah. And so as we're trying to work together, um, me taking a, the place of uh, the deity that gives commandments over your life is an inappropriate place for me. Mm-hmm. That's an appropriate place for God. That's an <laughs> inappropriate place for me. And, so and that, how often, how often church folk try to become God for people though, yes. you know, really, really yes. the tricky balance of accountability and, uh, trying to play the Holy spirit. There's yeah. like a yeah. very precarious balance. Yeah, there. for sure. Yeah. So that in, in regards to, um, I mentioned this on Sunday and so want to talk about it a little more, both yeah. in the sermon, on, I guess twice in the sermon on the Mount. Uh, yep. Jesus talks about the necessity of forgiveness and Jesus actually talks about the importance of forgiveness multiple times. So there's after the, the Lord's prayer, you know, Jesus says, Hey, and if you uh, don't forgive other people, your sins, God's not going to forgive you your sins. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense, right? Yeah. It's hardcore. Absolutely. It's so hardcore. And, and we, we did a, a, um, uh, sermon, sermon on the Mount podcast. We did, we did a we tell did. me more podcast <laughs> on on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we did a whole series on it called "A New Way to Be Human." So, if you want to yeah. hear more about that particular passage, go check that one out. Yep. Um, but uh, there's all Jesus also tells a parable about a man who gets forgiven like a million dollars, and then someone owes him five hundred dollars, and he throws him in debtor's prison. And he talks about God's severity of punishment for that person. So over and over again throughout Jesus's ministry, Jesus makes it super clear. God's grace and forgiveness is not something you can receive without giving it back to other people. And he is not going to let you do this hypocritically. If Mm -hmm. you receive God's forgiveness, you have to give it. Um, And so forgiveness is commanded by Christians, but reconciliation is not commanded in the Bible. It's just the bias of God. Right. Because God, you know, God wants the whole world to be reconciled to him in -hmm. Jesus. First Timothy two, three, and four says that it's God's will that everyone should come to a knowledge of the truth, that everyone should be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. We know from scripture that doesn't happen. So even God who wants the whole world to be reconciled to him doesn't get complete reconciliation with every single yeah. soul in the world. Yeah. And, but our identity as Christians is one in which we are reconciled to God through Jesus. And so reconciliation is the bias, the posture perhaps of the Christian the preference, the desire, the yes. longing for. Yes. And, and Jesus talks about in, in the, again, in the sermon on the mountain, Matthew five, how kingdom people treat their enemies. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I tell you to love your enemies and pray mm-hmm. for those who persecute you. Right. And um, I mentioned it on Sunday too, but that word for hate is like, you're dead to me. I'm writing you yeah. off. You're not, a yeah. po- you don't exist. Which way, in my world is way anymore. easier. TBH, so much easier. You know what I mean? Like way, <laughs> way easier. <laughs> yeah. To, to be honest. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. TBH means. I liked yeah. it. Okay. Uh but not what the Lord has for us. Right. So challenging though. Right. So challenging. Right. And so much of following Jesus is being parented out of by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, parented out of mm-hmm. our sinful patterns of behavior and relationship into God's plan for it. And yeah. God's plan for it is that we don't, uh, we, we leave the door open 
until someone closes it for yeah. us. Well, and sometimes it's not um, feasible. Uh, yeah. Physical health, emotional health, spiritual health could be at risk. And in those events, not needed. Mm -hmm. You know, reconciliation doesn't mean necessarily restored relationship. Mm -hmm. It it just simply means that when you see this person, you're not like afraid of running into them. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you can restore relationship, when it's healthy and appropriate to do so, obviously that is the bias of God. <clears throat> the bias towards what we should be doing as followers of Christ, but it's and, not. And it is a sacrifice. I mean, make yeah. no mistake. It's we have to go to the cross for it. So, mm-hmm. um, if I could give the Jesus often gives money analogies about these things. So if I could give a money analogy about this, if you can imagine being wrong, you being, could give me money. Being <laughs> sinned against. <laughs> being sinned against is like mm-hmm. you've just withdrawn a huge sum from me that I didn't mm-hmm. agree to pay you. Like you've stolen from me, Mm -hmm. right? Reconciliation is paying that back to neutral. Building upon that is just what we call friendship. (laughs) It's just like a normal relationship of, yeah, you you have to reestablish, you have to earn my trust, right? We have to spend time together and grow in intimacy. So reconciliation is being brought back to neutral, which is why, you know, you'll hear us say in... um, just like Christendom in general, you hear words like justification and sanctification and justification is reconciliation with God on a legal. It just means like, Hey, we're, we're square now. We're at neutral. Mm -hmm. Sanctification is the process of not just staying at neutral until I die because of the cross. It's building um, godliness into my life. It's not just going great. I'm not going to go to hell for my own sin. Mm-hmm. I've chosen Jesus instead of chosen hell. Um, it is a becoming like God. Right. And the same is true, you know, in all of our relationships that reconciliation is we're back to neutral now where um, I can treat you there. I can treat you like you're not my enemy anymore. Yeah. You know, we're square. Yeah. And there's a gift in that, you know, there's transformation that happens in the way that we interact with people, the way we interact with ourselves and, you know, different situations come up and we're just able to have more grace perhaps, or Mm -hmm. more gentleness or more faithfulness. And these are all things that God is trying to redeem inside of us. And those happen through context of relationships. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm, you know, maybe, maybe it's just my nature. I'm just a very relational human. But I think that God is always moving through relationships. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And that's Mm -hmm. not only in a marital sense, that's in a communal sense. That's actually about uh, how we are to grow and be loved and cared for. And that's why I love the church in general. And and side side note on that, side note on Mm -hmm. the not good for man to be alone. So uh, English doesn't get this right very well. So the the original word used for mankind, humankind is Adam, right? Adam. That means dirt. Okay. (laughs) That's not the word for um, male. Male is ish. Mm -hmm. Female is isha. So Adam was not actually like a male. Adam was a human. Yeah. Like just, just a human. And when God says it's not good for man to be alone, what happens is he takes Adam and creates both ish and isha Mm -hmm. out of Adam. Yeah. And then. Uh, what he did was take a being that didn't need anybody else mm-hmm. and created two halves to that being that 
need to come back together to create a whole being again, mm-hmm. right? That two literally need to become one to be this complete being. And, yeah. um, you know, so I, I, I just say that to say that's not a male specific command, like you were saying. It's yeah, just, yeah. This is, this is the human, um, not conditioned in a sinful way. It's, it's part of our human nature is that like we need experience, each other. the experience, the human experience. Human experience is a good word yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah, so cool. So cool. Well, thanks, Alex. I don't know. Yeah. Did you have anything else that you'd like to close us out with before mm. we wrap up our oh, yes. podcast today? Oh, okay. Um, relationships are at the heart of God. God is a triune God. God is a community unto himself. Yeah. And uh, the orthodox theology on why God created people is that God is love and love at its core creates more to love because it's Mm -hmm. an ever giving reality. And love wants a bigger community to share itself with. Mm, That's so good. And so the orthodox theology on why make people is that God himself is love and wanted to share the goodness of love and existence with other things. Mm, And so he made us. And um, because relationships are at the core of both God's nature and human nature, learning to reconcile broken, we can't become like Jesus and not walk through the cross of broken relationships and learning how to be reconciling people. Mm-hmm. This is a core matter of discipleship that all of us will have to go through at some point. Mm, and really um, it is a necessary struggle, a necessary challenge, a necessary reality if we as followers of Jesus want to be like him. Because even God. The disciples are, are in many ways an analogy for the whole human race. It is like watching the, the night of the cross is almost like watching the fall all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, that God um, in his purity is being betrayed by the very people he has made and healed and um, being abandoned for their own interests. And it is the, the sinful fallen nature of humanity and learning to go to the cross to reconcile those things is a core discipleship issue for every Christian. Yeah. So if you today are listening to this and you're experiencing broken relationships and you feel like something's wrong with you, uh, something is wrong with you, but something's wrong with all of us. Yeah, And this is not just a persecution in your life. This is an invitation to learn to be like God. Yeah. And um, this is a holy thing, Um, but it is a cross. And so the the pain associated with it, you are joining Jesus and following him to the cross in this. And so um, know that if you are struggling with this right now, we are praying for you. We're praying with you. Um, this is, but also note too, this is a normal, natural part of learning what it means both to be human and then learning what it means to be this new kind of human, this godly Jesus kind of person. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. So if you're going through something right now, if there's anything that we could be praying for you 
about if you've got a broken relationship that needs reconciliation it takes courage and humility to really be able to interact with that in a way that's honoring and pleasing to the lord and honoring and pleasing to developing the kingdom within you and mm-hmm. to bring that kingdom here on earth and we want to be able to support you you don't have to do this alone you guys so right. reach out to us thanks so much for tuning in today let us know if you've got thoughts comments questions shoot us an email shoot us a message we look forward to hearing from you talk to you next week Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.